0: America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're bonded, or we're wearing leather, or we're being slapped around a little bit. And, oh, God. <clears throat> I'm Sunny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify. American Sex.
1: Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. American Sex with Ken Melvoinberg and Sonny Megatron. Are we rolling? Yeah. Okay. You go, oh
0: wait, no, wait. Do you see me rolling?
1: No. You hating
0: i just made a funny joke i made a funny joke. Do you, do you have a funnier joke than that let's see ken knock knock who's there to to who Ken, it's to whom didn't you go to school
1: i thought you said funny joke that's a dad, <laughs> that's a total dad you got joke. a better one that's you a got a better answer. one
0: come on come on
1: knock knock who is there ken wanda smell mop <laughs> Don't start laughing already.
0: (laughs) Wanda, smell my poo.
1: (laughs) No, thanks. I'm not in the scat.
0: (laughs) 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 You want to smell my pee? Because I think I just beat him a man's (laughs) skin. Okay. Wait. All right. I got to top that one. Let's see. Okay. I know this isn't a knock knock joke, but. Hey, Ken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go on. The jokes aren't good if you already stop let's start laughing. Are you snorting? You're snorting. Okay. Ooh, let's get it together. <laughs> let's get it together. Ken, what? Are you a chicken son <laughs> <a chicken>. Stop. <laughs> I gotta start over. Okay. Go ahead. <clears throat>
1: can yes
0: are you a chicken cemetery
1: <laughs> fuck no i'm not a chicken cemetery
0: oh really that's too bad because i got a cock i'd really like to bury in you ditto <laughs> <laughs> i have tears running <laughs> into my nose
1: <laughs> this is my favorite bdsm joke knock knock <laughs>
0: who's there
1: kgb
0: kgb Who? Oh!
1: we will ask the questions
0: <laughs> <laughs> there are tears really running down my face
1: right
0: now. Oh, God.
1: Oh. Ken. Oh, for fuck's sake, what?
0: Knock. The fuck, knock. Uh,
1: who's there? Europe. Europe <laughs> poo.
0: No, Europe poo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Well. <laughs> Why do we know so many really, like, juvenile joke? Well, maybe the cock one isn't very juvenile. Yeah. Unless you went to schools okay, and delinquents. Wait, wait, but- I,
1: got, I got another one.
0: Okay. Wait, hold on. Let me... I gotta wipe my face oh, here. Oh, for fuck's sake. I got... Oh, I got snot running down my face, Ken.
1: Okay. Knock, knock.
0: <sighs> Who's there?
1: Olive. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Olive Who? olive who i love that castle megastore's 30 anniversary celebration is going all month long and oh and i love you too of course my dear okay.
0: <laughs> i couldn't understand yeah. one more time like a punchline oh, jesus
2: knock,
0: olive knock. olive that's the whole thing oh. olive who well do it again knock knock, do knock. fuck everything Knock knock. Who is there? Olive. Olive who?
1: Olive who I love. That Castle Mega Store's thirtieth anniversary celebration is going on all month long. You're reading it wrong. Because <laughs>
0: I say Olive who, <laughs> and you're saying Olive who I love. <laughs> Here, let
1: me make. All right, you. All right, you start the knock knock joke. You take over.
0: Knock knock.
1: <laughs> Who's there? Olive. Olive who? I love the Castle Megastore's 30th anniversary
0: celebration. It's going on all month long. Oh, and Ken, I love you too, of course. And then, well, here's when I talk and I go, Oh, I love you too. <laughs> and our love will last forever, but Castle Megastore's 30th anniversary celebration won't. No, really. Oh, this, I'm laughing, but it's really, it's a good thing. They have lots of stuff going on through the end of September, but one of my favorite things is the giveaway. Now, Anyone that makes a purchase of any amount at Castle Mega Store in-store, or online is eligible to win one of 106 luxury sex toys and pleasure accessories from companies like WeVibe, Fun Factory, System Joe, Jopin, Lalo, or Clandestine Devices, and they are worth over $100 each. Now, that's any purchase, like even if you spend a dollar, and if you're not sure what to buy, check out our show notes because we got a link to a page that has me and Ken's favorite toys. And don't forget, when you buy something, use our special code at checkout online. S-U-N-N-Y gets you 20% off your purchase.
1: Also good during the entire month of September 2017, get 10 for $30 panties or 5 for $30 DVDs. You can also shop Castle Megastore's 30 for 30 days toy rack sale in-store or online at castlemegastore.com backslash 30 f o r 30 that's 30 for 30 I still have
0: tears in my nose Ken. <laughs> I like there are, I wish this was on video cuz there are tears like my face is soaking wet it's ah, but
1: who knows <laughs> <laughs> you may think it's funny, but it's not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Plus, the moment you've been waiting for. <laughs>
0: but a bum! The moment you've been waiting for is happening. Week three, Castle Megastore's anniversary sales have begun. So from September 15th to September 21st, you can get 30% off our favorite Wonder O. One for real.
1: It's our favorite. Yeah,
0: we really like it. And thirty percent off in-store purchases of schoolgirl skirts and shirts. Can mm. you gonna wear a schoolgirl skirt for me? Hell
1: would yeah. you? Would you really? Yeah, I would.
0: Of course. Oh my god, that would be so hot.
1: I wear a kilt. Why wouldn't I wear a skirt? But, it's like a mini kilt. Do they make schoolgirl kilts?
0: <laughs> yeah, I could fool you and be they, like, they totally no, do. Ken, it's a schoolgirl kilt. <laughs> Go ahead and oh. wear it. Oh, okay. <sighs> <laughs>
1: And she just had an orgasm. Again, this is American sex. <laughs>
0: yes. In kilts, which would be like Scottish sex. I don't know. Anyway, if you missed all of the Castle Megastore stuff, don't worry about it because all of that's in our show notes. The the um sale for this week, the code, and all that fun stuff. So thank you, Castle, for making September twenty seventeen
1: awesome. So Thank you, Castle Megastore.
0: <laughs> there is it's not still coming out of my nose. Aren't I don't know sexy can?
1: Yeah. Get over here with your tongue. Yeah. Get over here. I'm gonna put you my, know there. I'm going to put my dick right in your snot.
0: I like snot. Could I smell it coming then?
1: Oh, on that note, let's leave. (laughs)
0: Okay. No, never. I don't want this. No. Anyway, let's get on with the interview. We have an amazing interview for you this episode with Lenora Clare. But before we roll that, I just want to give you all a heads up. The following interview can be a little heavy at times. Now, Even though we crack jokes and act like we normally do, we also discuss some serious topics like stalking, domestic violence, mental health crisis situation, suicide, Plus, we recount threats of violence, rape, and death. And many of these are first-hand accounts that are in the victim's own uncensored language. So self-care is important. If any of those things are hard for you to hear right now, you can always come back, right? We're not going anywhere. Listen to this episode another day because, friends, we love you and we want you to take care of yourselves. So are we ready? Yep. On with the interview. <laughs> Named one of LA Weekly's People of the Year, as well as the Erin Brockovich of stalking by Vice, Lenora Clare is a complex career-juggling artist and advocate working to promote safety and the respect for misunderstood and the marginalized across her various (sighs) projects and platforms. You know, I don't think I will ever get through a bio without screwing stuff up. So, to promote safety, and respect for the misunderstood and marginalized across her various plot... And
1: <laughs> hey, we leave this in, by the yes. way. Just yeah, you that's right.
0: You're, you, you're working on a lot of plot jacks, projects, and platforms with diverse accomplishments ranging from her years as an entertainment journalist, media and nightlife personality, national newsmaking art curator... Casting director and TV producer, Lenora has dedicated her life to the creation of legislation to protect victims and is currently at work on multiple TV projects, apps, initiatives, and a nonprofit, Verse, to empower others using advancements in technology. I did it. You, you did, did
2: it, it. And Nora. Five. Did it? Hi, it's, it, hi. It's so weird hearing it because, like, because I guess like you guys are more familiar with my other stuff. And my bio prior to this was like a uh, glass eating clown who you know, like all my other weird shit. So it's so funny too that I have my serious bio now. But yes, that is a that okay. Is well,
1: you, you just <laughs> made a whole new level of coolness because I actually have like.
2: I'm speechless right now. I, know, I heard glass I, eating I clown, and I'm like. <gasps> <gasps>
1: when is- you say when you say clown, do you literally mean clown?
2: Yeah, I used to. I used to be in a circus, and I used to eat glass, and I traveled. That's like all. It's it's like I've done so many weird things that I forget. Like I mean, my life's taken a more serious direction now, but it's like it's it's just funny that I had like that I have this very grown up bio. When it's um- even funnier <laughs> that you reference
1: going from clown to being more serious.
2: Yeah, so well that the, reason, is, I... the reason we're having
1: such a, a like an, a dynamic reaction to this is that we both have clown fetishes and I run the big clown fetish group on FetLife so we do lots oh. of things with all the different clowns. I, I want to talk about you though. Like the, today it's all about you and oh, wow. I, I you, you are so interesting and so diverse and so freaking cool. I, like I barely know where to begin but I want to go back to when I first when you first came attention to me I want to say it was like 2003 2004 sure back in social media back when it was like Friendster and MySpace and I had followed you at that point when you were doing I, I, I want to say you were doing both sideshow stuff and art curation in yeah. fact there's mm-hmm. one specific thing and I think Sonny will just love this the in 2007 I want to say you did the Golden Gals Gone Wild exhibit Can yeah you tell us a little bit about that
2: sure sure yeah it was um a, a huge exhibit it was all around Erotic depictions of the Golden Girls as in everything TMZ NPR. So I have to tell the backstory about how it all started because it was so funny. I was actually working as a journalist at the time at Frontiers, which was like I was like the one straight girl at LA's big gay newspaper, and I interviewed Julie Newmar, who's amazing, and like she had just had her seventy fifth, oh, so
1: awesome.
2: Yeah, we made friends. Like I go to her birthday party, where she's fabulous. But like she had this was like God, ten years ago, whatever. So she's I guess had her seventy fifth birthday then, and like she was still beautiful and sexy. And I would tell people this, and they would like look at me horror. Like they just couldn't even understand what I was saying about it being like a senior citizen who was sexy. Like, and I was like, Why are you all like so horrified by this idea? And then, as luck would have it, I read this really amazing article around that time about senior sexuality and about how seniors were getting STDs at an alarming rate because they were like, you know, a generation that was losing their partners, they're suddenly single, they weren't using condoms because there was no fear of pregnancy, and you know, they're basically just like going at it at the nursing home. And I was like, This is amazing! Like, who knew? Like, all this is going on. And as luck would have all these things sort of coincided at once where i was looking for golden girls dvds on ebay and i came across this painting which i still own which was amazing it was this beautiful oil painting of b arthur nude like full-on like boobs out incredible is that the jimmy kimmel one um, you know everyone has tried to buy it from me it's so funny the, the very very famous one there's a very famous one that sold for like seven million dollars I'm totally spacing on his name which is too bad because I love that artist um, but this was one made by a guy named Chris Zimmerman who I oddly enough had friends like I bought it on eBay but we know all the same people in LA we, we became friends right. later on but so I bought this this noodle portrait of B. Arthur and I put it over my bed and the guy I was dating at the time he came over and he was like horrified he's like I can't do this with B and you and it's too much and I was like well if you can't get if you can't get down with me B, you can't get down with me like get the hell out oh, so like I oh, kicked terrible. him out Right? So I was like, whatever. So I started really thinking about it, about like, you know, art's supposed to make you think and feel, and so the idea of sort of seeing your sexuality and developing an entire show around it. So yeah, so I did a show, and it was originally going to be called Golden Girls Gone Wild, but I got a cease and desist from Joe Francis, oddly enough, while he was in jail, and I was like, come at, I was like, come at me, motherfucker. Like, you're in jail. You're like the most hated man in America, whatever. And I w- did you give him
0: an ironic, hey, thank you for being a friend, asshole? Well, like-
2: I wrote him back, and I was like, dude, you're in jail, like, nobody likes you, and no one's gonna confuse your DVDs for my art show, but whatever. Like the press I would get on if you did come for me would be sick, so please, but then like nothing ever happened. Anyway, so I ended up doing it. It was at the World of Wonder gallery, which we I helped co found, which was uh World of Wonder they do like RuPaul's drag race and stuff. So that was like another cool thing to get to work with them and do do their gallery there. So yeah, so I did it was 40 depictions of the Golden Girls. As I mentioned, I was featured in TMZ, which like it was right the year that TMZ came out, so it blew it up. I had something like twenty five hundred people show up to the opening like line wow. just yeah that it was crazy. Incredible. yeah all the pieces sold out I was on NPR I was I was in um, everything like, literally everything I was in the um uh, oh, God, the National Enquirer. Like, it was a hilarious. It was amazing. So, yeah, so I did that. And that was um, – people still – like, it's really funny. I still get recognized on the street from it. So when people come up to me, like, I don't know if they saw me for serious stuff on 48 Hours. I don't know if they saw me with a naked golden girl on TMZ. Like, I never, like, I just never know what I'm going to get when someone comes up and something so I different. actually can relate
0: to that because I've done some very, you know, serious grown-up stuff with yeah. um, our tours. We, we do, like, serial killer tours and history tours. So I will get people recognizing me, like, oh, I saw you on TMZ. And I'm like, what, for serious history stuff or serial killer stuff or for, like, fuck stuff? Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Yeah, very similar. Very, very similar. Yeah. Yeah. You are dynamic and amazing and, and famous for all of these different things that you've been involved in. But recently, as you said, you were on 48 Hours. You yeah. were on a bunch of other stuff in a more serious aspect mm-hmm. because of
2: stalking. So if you can if yeah. you can tell us about that. So I've had multiple careers. I started off, as I mentioned, entertainment journalist and then art curator. And then for the last uh, seven years, I've been a casting director on crazy reality TV and a producer, too. We'll get into all that. But back to 20, 2011, Lenora, I was, um, I was one of the LA Weekly People of the Year, which is like a really great honor. I'm from Los Angeles. So it's really nice. They did like a nice profile on me, and I was featured with this monkey that I'm friends with, which we can get into that other day too. Oh, I but remember that, yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's like this cool article, and like unknown to me, there was a guy whose uh, birth name is Justin Masler, but we have to refer to him as Cloud Star Chaser because that is his legal name. So whatever, that's what we're gonna call him. Uh-huh. Um, so he, which which can I just tell you when you go to court and they're like Claire versus Star Chaser, and I'm like, oh my god, like I, I already they look at me like I'm nuts when I haven't done anything. But uh-huh. anyway, so this this guy who's actually Actually, very close in age. It's a really sad story. He can't he comes from a very privileged family. He was like a Harvard bound star athlete with like near perfect on his SATs when the schizophrenia first took hold. So it's it's a sad story. This kid's real messed up and you know, we really my father was a psychiatrist and we really just do a disservice here with the mentally ill because everything I'm about to say, I want to start by saying that I have great empathy for him and anybody who's suffering because if he was to get help, then this whole thing wouldn't be an issue. But you know, his parents, for whatever reason, even though they certainly have the means, they do not get him help, and instead uh, we'll go into this odyssey of what's happened to myself and other people because he's a real scary problem. Um, so, 2011, I was one of the people years I mentioned. I didn't know that this man existed. He was in New York, and he started um, stalking Ivanka Trump. Remember, this is 2011, Ivanka Trump. So, this mm-hmm. is you know all that this is pre-presidential, correct? And, yeah correct so he's stalking her out there multiple arrests for it he jumps bail comes to Los Angeles opens up the magazine sees me becomes infatuated is like oh this one and because it was an article on the gallery I just opened he showed up to my gallery in a space suit I kid you not and you know I have a really high tolerance for art shenanigans so I welcomed him I thought he'd be like kind of a funny weirdo whatever I started talking to him and you know we had some nice conversation we talked about graphic novels he looked me in the eye I'll never forget it and he said oh my god you look like Jessica Rabbit." I'm like yeah thank you I get that a lot and then he's like you remind me of Lilu from the Fifth Element. I'm like, okay. And then he looks at me and I'll never forget it. It was like his eyes turned to spirals. You can see the illness start to just sort of switch over. And he looked at me and he's like, and I'm going to stalk you. And I said, what are you talking about? Excuse me? And he looked at me and he's like, yeah, you're a supreme being like Lilu from the Fifth Element and I'm going to stalk you. And he's just got rambling and starts, you know, all these like nonsensical things. And so I got a little scared. I kicked him out of the gallery. I didn't think much of it, you know, whatever. I just went inside. And then a few days later, all my friends started uh, contacting me because he was in the news. Because the Trumps, I believe, had hired bounty hunters to extradite him back to New York to stand trial, where he stood trial was convicted for stopping Ivanka, goes to Rikers Island, and then starts sending me like handwritten letters to my gallery for, that's a jail mail in the corner from Rikers. So I start getting these letters. And at first, I would say the first year, they were just like a bunch of insane ramblings. I didn't necessarily feel threatened. I just felt bad for him. Mm-hmm. Um, then over time, they started escalating to incredibly explicit rape and death threats, like really horrific stuff. And one of the things that he frequently talks about is, um, I'm a Jew, and he wants to kill me with Zyklon B, which they use in the Holocaust. It's- To me, I don't don't know why it's not seen as a hate crime, but we'll get into that about all the failures in the justice system. So when I started getting death threats, I took it to the police who at first said, well, you know, this guy doesn't have a fixed address, so you can get a restraining order. You know, he's threatening you, but you're not going to be able to serve him. So I realized, oh, shit, this is just like completely useless. So I just kind of dealt with it and just became a regular part of my life where I would just get these constant threats. And he's very wealthy and he just bounces around the country. So I was like, I can never serve this guy. So this sucks. So then uh, he sent a letter, a death threat. To my boss, my mentor of many years, and that was really hard for me. So I took it to the police, and I was like, "Listen, guys, he has a website about killing me. Like he makes videos. He's got, he's a convicted stalker. You know, he's got very well documented mental illness. He's threatening me at my workplace. He knows where I work. This is like getting really elevated now. Can we do something?" And then that's when the LAPD Northeast Division said to me, "Well." if you dye your hair, you'll be less of a target. And I was like, excuse oh my me? Goodness. And Stop then they made it, oh no, it gets better. And they said to me, well, if you just go off the internet, then he'll leave you alone. And I reminded them, you know, I'm a casting director. I get paid for my large internet presence because I can put out blasts to people. So the luxury of being off the internet wasn't really something that I could do. And no, I don't think my appearance contributed to what he was doing. He stalks Ivanka, who's about as conventional looking as one can be. So that's bullshit. So I was pissed off when I walked out. I was like, fuck you guys. I'm a TV producer. I know other TV producers. So so shortly after that, I went on my first show, Crime Watch Daily. Um, my friend Bill Jensen, who's awesome, he solves cold case murders, is one of the producers, and I went on that show. And I started. I, by that point, I started realizing all the problems, and so I came up with multiple uh, uh, law propositions. The first thing I realized was, you know, if at the very first step that it's for a lot of people, it's intimidating to obtain a restraining order. I actually, by the way, I help people. I, I go to the courthouse here in LA, and I help people that come to me. Yeah, so just,
0: I've had to do it, and it's awful. Yeah, it is awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: it is. And and another thing people don't realize is that you know restraining orders are for very short, limited amounts of time. There's no such thing as a permanent restraining order. So you're constantly going back to court. And they don't understand that in court, you know, they don't separate the victim from the victimizer. And you're sometimes waiting for a long time before your case is called up. So it's just all these like monster assholes. I've seen like I'll never forget. I always talk about this woman that I saw that had two black eyes holding a baby. Right? Like that's the that's who these crimes happen to. You know, it's a lot of domestic violence overlap. And then they're completely just like intimidated while they're like in the room, like, can we not get a partition? Can we not put people in two different rooms until it's their time? Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. So I started this first thing that I came up with was the idea of serving a restraining order electronically, because my argument is we have plenty of e-documents. You've all signed one. They recognize things like foreclosure notices. If you can put a read receipt in the text, there's no way that you, you know, couldn't prove that their IP and read it. You know, it's very easy to do. So if we can serve electronically, if you can send me a death threat over email, like why can't I serve you a protective order over email? So that's the first thing I started proposing. Then I started proposing the idea of a federal stalking registry because as we'll get into, the states each have their own individual nonsense laws, like in New York in 2014. And New York to me is a pretty grown-ass state, but what I'm going to tell you is going to shock you. In 2014, the state court in New York said that um, sending a death threat over email was unconstitutional against free speech. So you can send someone a death threat in New York. It's not even a crime. Like in California where I am, it's considered a low-level misdemeanor it's aggravated nuisance. So it's not much of a crime, but at least it's a crime. And that's another problem is like, even though I get all these death threats, then one of the largest problems with stalking, besides the fact that there's few people like myself that come forward for a lot of reasons, usually we hear about it in the press where it's a celebrity. And like I always say, like, you know, I felt terrible for Sandra Bullock. Those, if you hear that phone call when she called, you know, it's terrifying, but like, you yeah, know, she was she, what
0: hiding in her closet. It, it, was, yeah, like a panic broke room. In. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. And my whole thing is like, you know, not all of us have a panic room or live in a gated community. Like I live in a studio apartment. I live in a panic room. Like where the hell am I supposed to go? You know? So it's a widely misunderstood crime because so few victims at 7.5 million Americans, that's a silent epidemic, but it's a crime that largely happens to women. Let's not forget that that's a huge reason why better legislation hasn't been put into place. Secondary is that, you know, we don't hear about these crimes. So we don't really understand it until it happens to us or someone close to us. So we don't realize how big the failures are and how numerous they are. You know, so I came forward and then I did this show Crime Watch Daily, which is very important because that show teamed me up with this incredible woman, Rhonda Saunders. And Rhonda Saunders was the assistant district attorney at the time when Rebecca Schaefer, the actress, was murdered in 1989. I remember that. Yes. I remember that. Yes. I, that
0: was the, one of the first times that I remember seeing in public you yes. know, a celebrity being, you know, when she opened her door, Correct. the guy knocked on her door, and he just shot her. Right yeah, she,
2: yeah. She's actually reading the script for Pretty Woman. Like, that could have been her instead of julie roberts that poor wow. woman like she just you know she opened the door with a fan her doorbell wasn't working and and he killed her right there and it's he actually her stalker john bardo had what's called erotomania which is something a lot of stalkers have it's where they have a false relationship with mm-hmm. their victim um in in her case he believed they were in a relationship he saw her in a movie where she was in bed with another man and it enraged him so you know that's erotomania is a very um we can get into that in a second, too. but um, So when I went on Crime Watch Daily, it teamed up with Rhonda Saunders, who I mentioned was the ADA at the time. And she actually contributed to writing not only California's first stalking laws, but they were actually the first laws in the entire country. The woman is a badass. I love Rhonda. I'm actually getting lunch with her next week. She's become my mentor. So she created the laws, and we've been working together. She's been mentoring me, and she's just a phenomenal person. And the sad thing is so Rebecca Schaefer was murdered in 89, I believe the laws passed around 92 and they've barely been updated. So if you think about what a different world we live in from 1992, all the technological advances, I mean we're just at a time where technology and legislature are so not on the same page. So the call for a federal, you know, stalking registry. We've seen it with sex offenders and sex offender registries, we know is actually kind of problematic. There's plenty of people who wound on there who shouldn't have, you know. Right. Um there's and we can get into that all day, but the thing with stalking is it's such a hard crime to prosecute that if you have a, a stalking offense you did it and you're terrible it's not like sex offender where there's all these gray areas where it's like you're peeing in public or having sex in public if you're stalking someone like it is so difficult to obtain that conviction that you are a monster and you know the states don't work together like we'll we'll get into what happened with me specifically with that in a second but um, there needs to be a federal registry for a level of uniformity like if there was some like because these crimes are treated as misdemeanors like my my so my stalker has been served restraining order which he violates daily okay mm-hmm. So there are, just every time he violates it, it's another warrant for his arrest. However, they don't extradite on a misdemeanor. So let me just tell this part of the story. So I go on 48 Hours, right? And we're filming over the course of several months. LAPD is telling me, even though he's made a website and sends me videos in real time of where he is, LAPD is telling me, oh, we can't find him. And I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I can tell you where he is right now. Like, that's a whole other story. But 48 Hours had an 18-year-old intern who, you know, just called the phone number that he lists on his website about stalking me. Okay. Right. So they, so 48 hours FaceTimes with my stalker, which is really chilling. You know, the public, anyone who thought I was full of shit, which people did, people like to victim blame and shame, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Including any, the police, too. Including the police. Know, yeah. But anyone who had any doubt can see my stalker on FaceTime, sc- you know, having a, a, a insanity fit and talking about how he's never going to leave me alone and you know all this madness so it, it, people now at least believe me once they've seen that but so 48 hours helped him get into a mental institution in Utah right then mm-hmm. so he's put in a mental institution and then I was like, woohoo, I get some like relief, you know, lucky me. Yay. So I'm living my life. Then Trump wins. We're all you know, horrified, whatever. A week, right. la- well, a week later, I'm picking up my little dog's dog. She'll never forget it. And I get a call from LAPD and Secret Service. What? As it turns out, my stalker, who is like the joker from Batman, who always says in my emails, you know, because he, he has no fear of jail time. He always says like, no jail can hold me. And he was right because he escaped from a mental institution. And he actually it had been on the news where it happened. He had been, he escaped from a entire week, knowing that I'm the reason why he was there an entire week and nobody informed me. You know why? States don't work together. No one cares because that did not happen in California. So no one thinks to tell me that he's out in California. So the only reason why I was even told was because now Trump is one. So now it's a Secret Service matter. Otherwise, I would have never been informed. He could have been on my doorstep and killed me. Okay, so that, people need to really understand that. So I then get the call that you know he's he's escaped. Whatever Secret Service is on it, and I start thinking, okay, like I I've won the stalking lottery. And that you know even though I'm literally the only person to benefit from Trump's presidency because I share a stalker with his daughter, <laughs> right? I'm <laughs> like I'm literally I'm the only one in America that gets something from this. So I thought, okay, Talk you about know,
0: bittersweet, I right? Mean, it's so weird, so yeah. weird.
2: So and then like I turn on TMZ and there's there I am. I'm like. I'm on TMZ. Okay, this is happening. So, um, you know, what? I was on it once for Golden Girls, this time for my stalker. So my stalker was then caught. It was funny. I went on Facebook, and I was like, you know, as much as he wants to get me, he is not going to be able to resist the fact Trump is now president. And I called it because sure enough, he was caught a block away from Trump Tower. He's not allowed to even be in the state of New York for stalking Ivanka. Wow. Okay? So Secret Service catches him. And then I'm thinking, woohoo! He's You know, Secret Service caught him. He's going to go away for a while. And now you have to remember this, too, about my stalker is that it's not even that I worry so much about my own safety even though I do but like I'm really careful with my actions and everything it's that he threatens mass incidents and he's had incidents at Harvard and he's incredibly intelligent and he threatens things like bombs and gas so you know what I'd I'd really like it if the person keeps threatening mass incidents and is a total he's very much like I've had a lot of experts weighing in just because of all the shows I've been on they always team up various experts Mm -hmm. and he's such he's such like a Santa Barbara school shooter because he's one of those like entitled misogynists who just because he was this like wealthy dude who is like whatever he thinks he's just entitled to any woman and when he because he's obsessed with big boobs big natural boobs that's very angry at me because i have large breasts and i don't do porn this is like a really big issue for him apparently he's very pissed so he's constantly threatening these mass incidents so i'm just like can we please do something so i thought when he got you know arrested for violating restraining order with ivanka now the president's daughter they do something six weeks later he's released he's free he's still bothering me every goddamn day you wow. know the laws are such garbage. Why? Because they don't like so it's all treated like a misdemeanor. Like people don't realize that when stalkers get jail time, it's usually because of concurrent crime. Like the most common thing that I've heard is because they've done something with vandalism because it's oh. reached a felony level. You know, so like a friend of mine, her stalker, <gasps> even though he threatened to shoot her and her son every day in the head, what got him jail time was oh. that he threw red paint on her car. Okay, wow. so so what we tell people is that property damage is more has more value than human life. So that's a real problem. So because these crimes are Treated as misdemeanors, it's really difficult because you know the laws are reactionary, not preventative. It's like they don't do anything until they do the crime in which they've told you they're gonna do. So I've created all these workarounds like what I'm gonna do in California, because you know, so I so I've been working with Congressman Schiff, who's amazing, and I'll just talk about him for a minute. So I started working with him before he was head of the House Intelligence Committee, before he was the man taking Trump down, all the Russia shit. He's, like, he's amazing. Like I love him so much. I didn't know you could be friends with your congressman. I didn't know that you could like take meetings with them and they would they would He's so incredible. He took my proposals for legislation to the Department of Justice. How major uh, is that? Wow. So he, so he took them. And the problem with that though was everybody was very excited when, it was, when he delivered it. But it was all of Obama's cabinet left over. And a week later, Trump's people all came in and everybody oh, was gone. No. So yeah. So I'm like, hey, you know, stalking a bipartisan issue. And I share the stock with your daughter. But that's cool. So yeah, you know, you would so, think it
1: would be in their self interest, right? The, the very, you would you think make this a felony and make it an interest of the White House
0: because, because he's, he's so yeah. self centered. You know, if it had to do with his family, you think he'd be like, "This is the one thing that I'm gonna."
2: They don't uh, care because they have they have all the security in the world. So that's true. So what I decided I'm going to do is I co created something with a friend of mine. Uh, so what I want to start doing, I'll start in California first, as I have the ankle monitor initiative. Or what I want to do is I co created an app where I want to place. Ankle monitors on convicted stalkers on probation, and the app will text victims if they're in the vicinity, breaking violation of, with the order. So it, it's we have GPS in our phones. It's really simple. Technology is here. So imagine if you get a warning that your stalker was close by. This would save lives. It's that very would be easy. Amazing. Yeah, that yeah. would be yeah. incredible. Yeah, so I brought it to the city attorney and district attorney, and everyone I brought it to was like, nice idea. It's going to be expensive. So I was like, all right, guys, so I'm going to be the first person. What I'm going to try and do is crowdfund an initiative because if we can crowdfund a RoboCop statue in Detroit and every one of our friends' shitty art projects, like why can't we co- Why can't we crowdfund this initiative? So um, to my knowledge, I'll be the first person to do that. So that's kind of exciting. I've just sort of been putting that all together. And you have to remember, like I'm a reality TV casting director and producer. I'm not somebody that has a legal background. I'm not somebody who comes from, my my father was a doctor, but I I don't come from a political family. So I was just published in the Harvard Journal of Legislation, the most prestigious law journal in the country. So people are taking me seriously. I was invited to speak at Harvard, you know, someone that looks like me. So I really want people to understand that, like, to not be intimidated. If you're being messed with, absolutely speak up, come forward, get the best, you know, local politician you have, work with you, your voice can be heard, you know, go public, be loud, scream, because, you know, this happening to seven point five million people, and no one's done anything since nineteen ninety two. Like, we got a real problem. So, I, I actually, I'm not going to say who. I had a TV deal with a very major network to do my own show. I was going to help victims, unfortunately. They decided that they wanted to do more lightweight programming, so the show didn't go forward with them. But I'm pitching it with other people. Hopefully, someone takes it out. And what I intend to do, if I can get the show made, is you know I want to leave people better off on how I found them. I show people things like there's a lot of personal safety and responsibility stuff that we can do. Things like tracking an IP, like that's what I do every day of my life. I get right. I wake up. It's become normalized for me. I wake up and I get my threat, and I then I check his IP. I know what's you know what now, state a, he's I, in. I have a
1: question. Does he yeah. literally threaten you every single day?
2: Um, not every single day. I get contacted every day. Not every day is a threat because he's schizophrenic. So sometimes he just like loves me and wants to say nice things. And then other days a threat. So I should say that he contacts me daily, but it's not a threat daily, but it's, they're pretty regular threats. It just depends on where he is in his his madness. You know what I mean? Some days he's talking about Beyonce. He's really into Beyonce lately. So, so I mean, who isn't, right? So I mean, sometimes <laughs> it's like he doesn't work. So some days he's just like, a, he wants to just tell me about whatever pop culture thoughts he's having. And then other days he's like, I'm going to kill you as I on B or he's writing rape trilogies about me. Like he wrote this really, this really crazy one called Lord of the Racks, which is a Lord of the Rings themed rape trilogy. Like to him, I've become this like Rosetta Stone to a crazy man. Like when he got picked up or they, when Harvard was looking for him after the incident, the Harvard PD, they contacted me and I'm again, I'm Rosetta Stone to a crazy man. Man, like they're like, what's um, the rack of power? And I'm like, those are my boobs, the rack of power from the Lord of the Racks rape trilogy he wrote about me, where I'm raped by hobbits in a volcano. Like this is all true. And when I say this in court, everybody's just like, what the fuck? So yeah, this is this has become my life. Or you know, another story I like to tell people was um, when my restraining order was finally served. And the reason why it was served, I got very lucky. I shouldn't say lucky, but he um, threatened to rape a woman that he went to high school with, who worked in Silicon Valley. He went to her front desk and said. I'm Superman. I'm here to rape. I'm not going to say her name, woman's name. So then the police were called. He was detained. And while he was detained, they saw his pending restraining order from me in the computer and they served him. So even though he was detained for a rape threat and a pending restraining order was served, they let him go. They're like, you're free to rape, young man. Carry on. Oh, so oh, yeah, geez. you know, like how many, how many near misses with this, this lunatic, right? Like, can we just get him some long time help? I don't know. Wow. Um, Yeah, so that's how my restraining order was even served. But then I thought, you know, because that was my first time a restraining order was actually served, I thought, okay, you know, maybe I want to be cool now. No, 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 no. Three hours later, he writes me a letter, which I then got to call the LAPD and repeat this to them and then send the screen cap. And the letter was, I know you must be kidnapped by the LAPD because we're in love and that's the only reason why that you'd have a restraining order served. But that's okay. I have this new thing that I do called snake eating and snake eating is where I eat people's dicks for power. So I'm just going to eat the the LAPD's dick and gain gain their power and save you. And I was like, okay, boys, guess what I just got? You know, so um, there's a lot of, craziness and he even threatens LAPD and you know no one's no one's really taking it you know wow yeah Lenora we're going to take a quick break
0: and when we get back I want to talk about how people in their daily lives are affected by stalking I don't think that people really realize how prevalent this is so we're going to take a quick break and then we'll get to that in a moment Hey, I just want to remind you about the giveaway that Ken and I are doing this month for American Sex. During the month of September 2017, you can win a Fun Factory Darling Devil silicone vibrator and a hybrid battery kit worth over a hundred dollars for hardly doing anything. No purchase necessary. All you gotta do is leave a review and subscribe to American Sex on iTunes. That's it. Email me a screenshot at AmericanSexpodcast at gmail.com and you are entered into the contest. We're going to do a random drawing on Monday, October 2nd, probably live on social media. So watch our Facebook and maybe you'll win. And guess what? The odds are really good. We started this contest at the beginning of September and not that many people entered yet. You can get in on this. You know how good the odds are? This is way better than Vegas. Come on, go ahead. If you want to find out all the details, all you have to do is go to bit.ly, that's B I T l y backslash darling devil that'll take you to the contest page with all the rules and maybe you'll win good luck
1: Hey everyone, it's Dick. And Max. The hosts of Off the Cuffs, a kink and BDSM podcast. A podcast for those in the lifestyle and those who are curious about it. Each week we sit down with a different guest to discuss their radioactive spider bite into kink. And it gives everybody a chance to express themselves in matters of sexuality. And a platform in which to express it.
2: It's conversational, it's educational, and it's a lot of fun.
1: More and more people have been reaching out to us telling us what they've learned about themselves just from us sharing our stories with each other every week. So find Off the Cuffs on iTunes or your favorite podcast streaming service and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at OCP kink.
0: Castle Megastore Once you see their sex toys you'll want more I have no idea if Castle Megastore actually has a theme song but I really dig Castle Megastore so that's my gift to you Castle, your very own theme song and you listeners get a gift too if you go to castlemegastore.com and use discount code SUNNY that's S-U-N-N-Y when you check out you will receive 20% off your order, that's amazing Castle Megastore mega store when you get your sex toys you'll be on the floor because you'll be using them so much and they'll be so awesome and you'll save so much money you'll get more than one and then you'll climax for a really long time and you'll just be passed out and you'll be like oh my god give me water there's the best orgasm ever you know listening to your story i Get chills, you know, and, sure. and growing up as a woman, and I think when I, when I talk to men about this or I'm paranoid protecting myself, maybe I don't have the unlisted or don't have the listed phone number, you know, back in the day before the internet, I would get a lot of, Oh, you're, you're being too paranoid, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, come mm-hmm. on. You're being too paranoid. And I, I consider myself lucky. I grew up with a mother who didn't give me a lot of good, strong, solid foundations, but one that she did was she was very paranoid about being stalked by disgruntled boyfriends or, you know, people you meet and whatnot. And we knew a lot, even growing up, I knew people whose, you know, my mom's friend's boyfriend broke in and killed her cats and, you know, things like that. So growing up, I was one where my mom drilled into me, I always have an unlisted phone number. Well, you and we never told me th- about yeah. the cat. Oh, yeah. Is there's... that a
1: Scientology thing?
0: No, 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 no. no. It's, a, it's a whole long story. So, but I mean, this is just one of many, many stories. Many, many yeah. stories of, granted, I grew up very poor. There were a lot of people who were... Substance abuse, they had substance abuse issues, unaddressed mental health issues. So right. it was like every other one of my mom's friends, boyfriends was like breaking in, stalking yeah. them, beating them up. This was commonplace for mm-hmm, me as mm-hmm, a kid. Mm-hmm. So when the internet came, I was like, I'll never use my real name on the internet. Like mm-hmm. I'm so, I always lock my doors. And A, why the hell should I have to do that? You know? <laughs> know. Yeah. And, and, B, is that really enough? You know, I had a partner who I had to take out the restraining order. I got the death threats. I got the whole thing. I was laughed at. It, you know, well, what did he do? He threatened to kill me and my kids and my animals and, you know, over and over and over all these, but did he actually do anything?
2: Right. right, right, right.
0: I know. (laughs) It's It's like, like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. So luckily for me, you know, when it came time for face, the Facebook real name thing, mm. I was forced into putting my real name and I was like, I can't awful. do that. I'm too scared. So and awful. because I have minor celebrity, I was, and that's probably why I was able to be like, no, 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 Facebook, mm, mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Mm-hmm. And you have some level of celebrity as well. Like we may not be celebrity enough to have the secret service protecting us and to have Correct. a safe room, but yes. we have the bigger voice.
2: Yes. And actually, I talk about this a lot because there's a lot of us in this sort of gray area, and it's where you do something where you get a little bit elevated attention. Maybe you're like a YouTube celebrity, a popular Instagram or whatever. We're telling everybody, promote yourself, you know, get your get your thing out there. Yay for you. But we're not telling people, you know, especially with the internet, it creates these false attachments with people, right? So we're not telling people how their risk is now also elevated because they become more public. And so there's a lot of us in this gray area where we don't have the, the wonderful things that come with fame. We just get the scary monsters that come with fame. So, um, so yes, I talk about this quite often. Um, and you know, it's, there's a lot of things that we can do for personal responsibility. Like I talk about things like I, I track my, my stalker's IP so I know where he is. I know it's proximity to me. Um, one of the I, So I help people get restraining order. I go to court with them. And I, so all these stories have kind of come to me. And lately, I just want to share this with people. There have been two women that I've, I've helped who came to me. And they're like, I've done everything I can. I don't understand why my stalker keeps finding me. And sure enough, with both of those women, I found GPS trackers on their car <gasps> because for only $50, you can get like at any one of these, like you can buy it online, and you just place a tracker on a car. It's even simpler than that. If they have any sort of like you know web savvy, they can send you an email where you click a link and then it gets into the GPS on your phone. Right. So Yeah. So I tell people to really like turn off location devices, understand that there's a lot of location embedding, even in just uploading photos and that people are crafty. They can really determine things like that. So Mm -hmm. you have to be really hyper aware. And like, like, I'm not saying get off the internet, you know, I'm a really public person too, but it's like, if you're at a show, why don't you post it after you've come home? Like, why, like, why does it be at that moment? Oh yeah. I
0: do that. When I, I I used to do, what is it? Foursquare? You know, I don't really do it. Oh yeah. But I would always check in where I was As I was leaving or just after I left and I would never check in on places that like my regular grocery store that I go to all the time or places I visit all the time where I'm guaranteed to be found on a regular basis. I'm like, I would never check in there. But then when I do stuff like that, I ask myself like am I kind of victim blaming myself going well I shouldn't be putting myself out there I'm making myself vulnerable and am I putting the responsibility on me in a negative way like I shouldn't have to do that how do you balance that like where do you draw the line and like this is stuff we shouldn't have to do or this is an implication that it's one step away from being was this my fault
2: sure I mean I do I do believe that there's a happy medium I'm I'm much like yourself I'm someone who is not shy in my appearance and I'm very outspoken in what I say but you know at the same time time I also don't need to elevate my risk in in, in a in a point that doesn't have a statement do you know what I mean like like that's why I post after I've left the place like if I really need people to know that I've gone somewhere and done something I can do that but you know 20 minutes after I've gone right so I, I feel like there there are like it would like what a wonderful world it would be to say, like I should be able to freely hundred percent do whatever I want all the time, which is the truth. We should be able to do that. But yet there are certain measures where you're not compromising yourself, but you are being vigilant as to your safety and, and your privacy. So it's a very it's a it's a hard line to walk, but I I I mean, I feel like I'm successfully doing it, at least to my standards. Everyone has their own standards. But I think I think you can still exist in a manner that feels good for you and still carry on, but yet still be aware that there are bad people with bad intentions. And, you know, you should still say the things you want to say and be the person that you want to be, but maybe just don't give them a direct roadmap to where your physical body is where uh-huh. they can come harm you. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, totally agreed. It had come to my attention a long time ago when I first started following you. I'm I'm going to be honest here. I came for the boobs and I stayed for the sure. brain. Sure,
2: sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, and, whatever, and I yeah. actually
1: felt kind of guilty about that for years. And I just wanted huh. to be honest with you about it in that, you know, you have a sexual agency that's your own person. And sure. I think that you were actually one of the first people that made me realize that... You know, especially being like a cis hetero guy, and I know how pervasive it is with guys sending dick pics and, and, and when they're rejected, death threats. And I just never understood that. And I felt like a total creeper, even just like Mm. looking at the stuff you do without actually knowing you and engaging you. If somebody is like kind of in that boat where Mm -hmm. they're not obsessive, but they are following you and it's obvious that they have, they're not in your industry or anything what advice would you give to those people? And I know that's sort of a weird question that, but it's,
2: no, I I totally, I totally appreciate that. I mean, the thing is like I've chosen to put myself out there publicly, right? Just, just, just like Sunny has. And with that, I know that there's different people that are interested in, in me. Maybe it's my body or what I'm doing, whatever the reason is for just a myriad of reasons. Right. And, I I don't have a problem with that. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the only, the only issue that I take is when if somebody is sexually aggressive or aggressive in wanting of my attention in a way that's not reciprocated and just won't back down. But like, obviously like I understand, like I I appreciate the uh, attention that I get. And my hope is that kind of like what you said, like come for the boobs, stay for the brain. Like I understand that there's some people who cannot wrap their mind around the fact that I'm a natural 36 double, and I have a 168 IQ and that that is confusing to a lot of people. They I mean, to me, they're not mutually exclusive, but people are just like, whoa, I, I'm used to one thing, not both things. Well, well you whatever. know what?
1: I've actually found the opposite to be true, that the bigger the booms the bigger the brain. Like I mean... Everybody that I've met, and that maybe, I mean, it's just completely anecdotal, but sure. I do you know. It's almost... Could be argued that it's a defense mechanism against assholes. You know, oh, you have sure. To be I mean, listen. Oh, <laughs> listen. I'll tell
2: you. I'll tell you this. I, I, always, I have a theory. It's very similar about breast size and sense of humor. It's like every girl I know, of big boobs is funny because you have to be. You know what I mean? You've, 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 got it built in. You've got your like. You don't have the luxury of just being like a quiet person. You've had to like defend yourself so many times that right. it almost breeds a more outspoken. You know, maybe we handle it with comedy, whatever it is. But like, for sure. I mean, mo- it's really funny. It's like I have this total Russ Meyer like girl gang that I didn't intentionally put together, even though I do love the idea of a Westmeyer girl gang, because almost all my friends have huge boobs. And it's, yeah, it's like, it's just really funny. It was like by accident. It's like, no, I just like hanging out with, you know, funny, intelligent women who are outspoken. Oh, wait, they all have big boobs. Wait, maybe they're all that, because they've had to be all those things. Oh, that's hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would just say my, my only advice is just like just like anything else. Just it's really simple. Don't be a dick. If that's it. That's well, yeah. The, that's, that's you we, know. We, we walk. Don't be <laughs> yeah, a dick. That's don't like, be a that's, dick.
1: That's, that's words that I absolutely live by. And, you
2: know, I think
0: one of the things that scares me or really makes me think, and you know, you had said seven point five million people mm-hmm. are being stalked. I think the the statistics is like one in six women and one in I don't know sixteen or nineteen men or something. Sounds that right? And. You know, I've had instances. Yes, there are certain instances where, right off the bat, you're like, something's not right with this person. I need yeah. to, you know, take action or whatever. Hi, you know, whatever it is. And then for a lot of other people, it's a form of intimate partner violence after you've broken up. So you know, I've had an instance where I was with someone for many, many years nothing ever weird, scary, violence you know, like that happen. But then something about the breakup, breakup mm-hmm. just set them off. So, you know, it's yeah. not even that, yes, we could be approached by random people that develop a strange fixation for us. It's you could date the nicest, nicest person in the world and date them for years. And then you don't know they could be that ticking time bomb.
2: Oh, for sure. My case is so atypical. I mean, I, I have a celebrity type stalker and I'm a non-celebrity, but you're hundred percent right. It's usually a relationship gone wrong and it's absolutely, and it, I feel for those people because it's so much more intimate. Like it's easy. That's why I've gone public because I'm just like, here's a mentally ill man who won't leave me alone. It's much harder when it's your ex-boyfriend, ex-husband, maybe you have children with that person. Uh-huh. It's so much more complex, you know, and that, that honestly, that is the majority of these crimes. So I, I want to be very clear about that. My, my, Situation. Everything about my situation is crazy. You know what I right. mean. The fact that it involves Ivanka. The fact that I'm in the news. The fact that he like it, it's it's so atypical. It usually is former partner and there's usually DV. You Yours know s- what?
1: One of the scariest things about your situation, your stalker has unlimited resources. Unlimited. And that is a frightening, frightening aspect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because when you said he came with a spacesuit, just knowing who the guy is and his wealth level, I'm thinking he got an actual cosmonaut suit or something. Like he came down there and.
2: It was pretty decent. I mean it wasn't it wasn't like I mean <laughs> I mean it was it was a pretty I mean it was a pretty good it wasn't like a shitty, shitty Halloween costume. It was pretty decent with like the full, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it is terrifying and because he really believes that he's, you know, beyond the law because his life is it's proven to pretty much be true. It's it's terrifying. And the reason why it's it's not just that he's beyond the law, it's that because he's crimes are tr- treated as misdemeanor levels. Misdemeanors are nothing. Like even restraining orders, like you right. could have forty restraining orders against you and there's nobody like Like red flabbing you as being problematic. Do you know what I mean? Like because they're they're, that. That's what I'm saying. We need to have something. Like the reason, the thing I like about the sex offender registry is it informs, you know, their neighbors and it informs potential workplace people, and that is a real deterrent. You know, I mean, for all the all the problems with the registry, that is, you know, a helpful thing. So for the people who aren't so far gone, you know, with stalking, if they knew that their workplace or their neighbors would be notified, you bet they'd think twice about continuing their behavior. Ken had said that. This
0: stalker had unlimited resources. And I think back to that to access to mental health care. Now, this was a man who came from a very wealthy, affluent Mm -hmm. family who I I would assume had access to decent insurance. Or even if he didn't have insurance, his family probably had the money (sighs) to buy whatever they needed to help him. And even somebody like that with all of those resources – can't get the right kind of mental care. And that's not to say anyone who has mental health problems, they are not violent. You know, the vast majority of people are not no, 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, and he's a very extreme case. But what do you have to say to that when it comes to basically the state of mental health care? in this Yeah,
2: country? I mean, this is a very personal subject for me. My father was a like, psychiatrist. And so I witnessed, you know, like, thanks, Reagan, thanks for, for creating this problem. You know, I mean, that's like, I, the first thing I say about if we really want to combat stalking is we really need to help the mentally ill, because you're anybody who's continually stalking somebody, there's some level of mental illness happening there. So, you know, if we could help them and treat them, and again, I don't vilify the mentally ill. I have such compassion and em- empathy. Excuse me. I have my own struggles with depression, you know, many people close to me. So I I, I in no way, you know, want to uh, shame anybody who's mentally ill. And absolutely, you know, people with, you, you, even schizophrenics, like my stalker, not all schizophrenics, most schizophrenics are not dangerous. Mine, however, has made threats for so long in such specific ways that one can only conclude that one day he may very well act on them. So um, it is very upsetting. His mother was on 48 Hours. You know, I feel there's... You can see her yourself, anyone who wants to watch it, it's on the CBS website. You can see the amount of denial. She... It's crazy. She's like he just wants to reach out and make friends. Like no, he sends me rape and death threats, and he's looked for where I am to come find me, and he's tried to kill himself in Ivanka's store. Like this is a problem. So I understand it must be very hard. But like if they're really worried about what the country clubs going to think of them, they're going to really f- be kicked out of the country club when he creates a mass incident. So they really need to put him in a long term facility. I, it's shocking to me. I can't understand it. Like why they would rather he just you know give him money for hotels. Like he was caught. His brother, the brother, got him a nice hotel, a block away from Trump Tower. I mean, talk about contributing to a criminal. I mean, I I can only comment on my specific case. I can't comment on other people's, obviously. But I I definitely can say that we really fail the mentally ill. And if we could just... Like, what what I want to know is, why don't we federally just legalize marijuana and decriminalize prostitution, tax the hell out of it, and give it to, like, mental care? Like, I don't know. This isn't that complicated. Like, there's...
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know? This whole idea behind what you're going through with somebody who is schizophrenic. I imagine as a guy who's a father, who's a husband that when you have somebody who is in your life that the first thing that they're that they probably try to think of is ways to protect you kind of doing white knighting and I know that as a victim, you need to resolve things in the way that you need oh. to. So, what would you say to people that are in your situation that have a guy coming in trying to be a white knight and rescue somebody when that's? Can not I just tell
2: you? I'm basically. so happy you asked me this because I've, I've literally done so much TV and so many interviews and no one has addressed this and you make me so happy that you address this. Yeah. Okay. So, one of the things I want to say is that coming forward, even though I'm an empowered victim, I'm still putting myself out there in the world as a victim right which is a very weird thing and a very vulnerable thing and specifically after the 48 hours can I just tell you how many men wanted to come and save me with their dicks like I did not even know this was a thing (laughs) I got so many emails from men who were strangers mind you who offered for me to stay with them who offered me their bodyguarding service like it was crazy I'm like well these motherfuckers want to save me with their dicks Um, also even men in my real life suddenly like hitting on me and I was like oh my god men really, I was, I was too strong before. And now that I've shown some vulnerability, it's like, I'm Christ. so much, it's like men who didn't think they could get with me before. And now they see that I'm like scared and now they want to like come and help me. So, I mean, I'm not like shitting on men for that, but that definitely is something which I had never experienced before in my life that I was like, Whoa, this is the problem. Um, the other thing that's very difficult for a victim is, you know, I, I disclose because I'm an ethical person and they're going to Google me anyway, on any job interview or first date I go on, that I have a stalker. So that's been like very awkward too. Um, I can say I just started dating somebody who lucky for me, I, I've actually sort of known him, not super close, but he's sort of been in my mix for several years. So he already knew everything. So that was, that was, Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, that makes it easy. Yeah,
2: so there was no, I mean, I'm telling you, I've been on first dates where I'm like, they're like, feel, they're like into it. And I'm like, by the way, you know, because my stalker, like I said, he sent death threats to my boss. He's harassed friends and family. So it's an inevitability that at some point, like, even if I keep it private, and he just, he's so up in my shit and he figures everything out. So I would just say, like, the best thing, would really, with anybody that's a victim is just listen. Just listen and then the person that's being victimized is going to tell you what they need. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to save me. I'm, I'm doing all this stuff with myself. But what I want more than anything from a potential partner with this is just listen to me. Cause I have hard days. I have days where the police have let me down. I've had days where the justice system lets me down. I've had days where I'm getting such horrific threats or in, in my situation recently, my stalker had randomly went through my Facebook list. I don't know. Cause I'd made stuff private and somehow he's somehow gotten to something. And what he did not know was the random friend who had commented on a photo that she herself had actually once been kidnapped and raped. And so for him to Mm. harass her out of all the people that I know, like you picked the one, like the one person I just wish you just didn't do that to, you know what I mean? So I had such guilt. I felt so terrible that he, you know, because other friends just kind of, you know, could laugh it off because it wouldn't be triggering for them of a past real life situation, but what he wrote was, you know, obviously incredibly triggering to this person. So I had such guilt. So if you're asking me like what I want from a partner, or whatever, is somebody who, if I have that day where I'm like, oh my god, this thing happened, I feel just, just listen, just listen, you know, like there, there's the white knight thing, like please, you can't save me. No one, who, who, how are you gonna save me? What are you talking? You gonna build me a moat? Like what? Like it's, you know, like thanks, <laughs> like it's just, you know what I mean? But like just, just be supportive of a victim and really just say to them. I am here for you unconditionally. What do you need from me? And just let them tell you what they need because everyone has a different different needs. Like maybe some people, like for me, I like it's so crazy. People have said to me, like people don't realize this. I don't even drive. I've never driven in my life. And the reason is I can't even use a shopping cart at the grocery store without hitting someone. So if I can't like not hit someone, why (laughs) would you give me a car? So for all the people who recommended me, just get a gun. You clearly don't fucking know me because the one time a guy took me on a date at a shooting range, I swear to God, I didn't know we were going to a gun range. So I was wearing like a cocktail dress Boobs out and the shell from the handgun, whoo, right down my bra, burned me. I screamed. I screamed and I turned and pointed the gun at him. So, like, that's my only gun experience. (gasps) Okay, right. And I didn't know that if you scream at a gun range, it's a problem because I guess people commit suicide all the time. I didn't know that. Right. So, right. Exactly. So, like, anyone who says to me, get a gun, like, you clearly don't know me. I'm the idiot. Like, no, I don't need a gun. Like, so everybody has different ways of handling things. You know, it's really everybody's so different, you know, some people feel really empowered having a gun and that's like great for them. And like, I, you know, that's cool. That's their thing, whatever. That's not my thing. So I, you know, I would just, yeah, Again, the the best advice if you want to, if you care about somebody that's being victimized on some level is just offer an open heart And, uh, you know, uh, and lend your ear and then just, you know, let them guide you with what they need.
1: We're going to wrap it up here, but I have two more questions for you that I like. First of all, I want to know, like, I was looking through your IMDb. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Showgirls
2: is like my favorite movie. And actually, that's kind of why I like this dude a lot that I started dating because he sends me Showgirls memes all the time, which he's got, he's a straight man with gay taste. It's really cute. Um, But but yeah, so I love Showgirls and I made friends with Rena Riffle, who played Penny. And then she wrote a second film. And so she wrote a part for me as like kind of like a goth stripper that
1: <laughs> is
2: awesome yeah so she's she's really cool she's like a really nice girl and um yeah you know obviously not not a very large release um but it, I'm, <laughs> i i i'm i'm the worst actress ever like i was cut out of trauma movies like that tells you like that's a special skill to be so bad that trauma cuts you out of their film like oh so boy. i oh you know boy. so i yeah i know he's great though but like it was yeah that was that was really fun and, and she's really cool and I, I love that movie and obviously my dog is named nomi because she has very long legs for a minpin like no more right. alone so Yeah, so a lot of love for Showgirls, and uh, that was a a funny, weird footnote. Mm -hmm.
1: You have actually teamed up with other celebrities that have, yeah. uh, had stalking problems. Can you, mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about that and some of the people that you've worked with?
2: Yeah. Um, like, so I'm good friends with Polly Perrette, who's the star of NCIS. She's, she's, amazing. Amazing. she's the, the People
0: recognize her as the goth looking. Yeah. Know, yeah. Nickname.
2: Yeah. And what's, yeah. what's even funnier about this. So I'll just tell this story so you'll don't know this, but I actually met Polly like 20 years ago. We both were in a movie and we got, cu- again, cut out of a movie. This is the theme of me being a shitty actress. She's good. She's amazing. No, I'm she's not, great. um, but we were in a movie called, um, Coyote Ugly, which is like, there was, yeah, so we were cut out of the film, but I guess the girl like wants to be a singer, and so she auditions for our fake goth band called Lady MacDeath, and like Polly was (laughs) supposed to be like the singer, yeah, Polly was like the singer of the fake goth band, and I was like the guitarist, so anyway, so I meet her, I'm like 18 years old, and we got, again, we're cut out of the movie, so I mean, maybe it's on someone's bonus DVD, I don't know, but anyway, that's where I met Polly for the first time, and then like a year later, we worked on this movie called My First Mister, and then I just – I saw her around and, um, you know, I saw her get really famous and I was like, oh, that girl's so nice. Yay for her. And then when my stalker happened, a mutual friend was like, oh, my God, you have to talk to Polly. And I was like, why? I barely know her. They're like, you don't understand. You got to talk to Polly. So then I did and she told me about her situation, which is very different from my – I can't comment on hers right. because of legal reasons. Right. Um oh, Totally. Hers is, hers is hers is horrific and terrible, and it's not what people would think I'll just say that, but she's an amazing person she's she really got a whole bunch of us together, and Polly's just been wonderful. And it's it's just so funny because she's on like one of the biggest shows in America, and she's just like my friend who drinks crappy beer and has black painted chip nail polish. You know what I mean? She's so <laughs> awesome. she's so rad. She's so cool. So yeah, work with Polly, Dave Navarro. Um, he's really lent his support. You know, his mother was murdered by her stalker. Mm-hmm. People, yeah. people know that. Yeah. He made a really yeah he made a really powerful documentary about it. So he's been really supportive, and he's sort of Dave been like is awesome. you know I love him. Yeah, he's really cool. And then my best friend is dating Drew Carey, who's amazing. I love Drew so rad. And Drew's like a total feminist, and he's just like you've got my support too and then I had an email exchange like a week ago with Neil Gaiman that was really lovely oh, wow. and he's like yeah he's like you got my support so it's like people you know I'm, I'm lucky that I live in LA and i, I you know, seem to ha- know all these sort of notable people and anyone who hears what's going on, even, even, even the non-celebrities, anybody who hears what's going on is like, what can I do? Can my band play a show? Can I donate? Can I donate? A-? Like, everybody w- the thing is I realized with this issue, it's not lack of support, it's lack of leadership. There's nobody coming forward saying like, okay, so here, so now I'm like, okay, I guess I'm the leader. Um, you know, trying to just pull together what everybody's resources and everyone's desire to help. So it's been kind of incredible. It's been really, for all the all the ways that I feel, failed. And I'm not someone who hates law enforcement. Like, I was raised, like, my father was actually a police surgeon before he was a psychiatrist in New York. Mm-hmm. They have this thing where, you know, doctors go through the police academy. I have my dad, my dad had passed away. I have his badge here. So I wasn't one of those, like, you know, I'm not like NWA over here, just like, fuck the police. Like, I'm not, like, on that level. But, like, I, I I've been... Really, it's really shakes up your worldview when you realize that law enforcement. Because we're told when we're kids, you know, if you have a problem, call nine one one. Everything's be okay. Police will help you. And then when you're actually in that situation, and you realize, nope, that's not true. That's so heartbreaking. Uh-huh. Um So. I just, just moving forward, I the thing that I tell people like, yes, my worldview has changed now that I see all these problems with the law. And everything, but on the same side, I'm also blown away by the kindness of people when they hear what I'm doing and just the support. Anytime I do anything, like any article, like when Vice did the story, they called me Aaron Brock and we just talking and went so viral. Like, people are so supportive of what I'm doing. It's incredible. So, for all the horrible things that have happened, it's also Really, really affirming and wonderful to know that people care.
0: Well, Lenore, I I absolutely want to thank you for everything that you're doing as you know, my, my past is, you know, pales in comparison to what you've gone through. But there are so many people in the country, men, women, no matter the gender that go through this. So thank you for propelling stuff forward oh, and thank you so hopefully much getting for being on the show today yeah and and yeah well, thank, thank you, you also for being on the show and I I usually ask people at the end I'm like so if people want to find
2: you and I'm like oh that's a little creepy so if people want to <laughs> oh no no no, 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 no. go to my go to my go to my website literally I'm all over the internet okay. you can you can find me and you know what I'm like it's really funny people like okay I actually have one story that's hilarious like I'm gonna tell people what not to do real quick and then what they can do what not to do I was walking home late at night I, you know I live in a safe neighborhood keys in my hand you know all that kind of stuff a guy straight up chased me. Hey, hey, this is like two o'clock in the morning. Hey, hey. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, He's my keys I'm like, I'm like, I gotta stab this guy, my keys. Like, and he runs up and goes, I saw you in 48 hours about stalking. I'm like, oh my God, did you just chase me down the street in the middle of the night to tell me you saw me on a program about stalking? <laughs> Maybe don't do that. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> like, that's not good. However, I am a friendly person. I like people. This has not made me so, you know, bitter where I don't want to engage with the public. And even if I was, that's okay because that, some people, you know, you've had a limit. I've not reached that limit. I still like to talk to strangers. Um, I just, you know, just maybe don't touch me. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't know me, that's my only thing. Like, but so people can find me online. Lenora Claire is my name pretty much on every social media outlet and LenoreClaire.com is my website. And if you see me in person, please come up and say hi. It's totally fine. You know, I, I, I like to talk about this or whatever other thing, or it's, it's fine. Like people shouldn't be scared of me. It's okay. Um, just don't, just don't. Grab my boob, if you don't know me. That's <laughs> all I ask. Just don't do that. Just don't do that. general
1: rule of life. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you so much.
0: And, uh, oh, and I'm so, so. By
1: the way, I have been more excited about this interview than, like, even working with some of my childhood stars in the last movie that I was with. So you outranked Star Trek That's ridiculous.
2: No, that's I'm not No,
1: you're amazing. There, there are oh, people who memorize so nice. words and read them. You actually have used your adaptability, your brains... Uh, everything that you do artistically and intellectually to propel yourself forward consistently. And it has just been amazing to me to watch you develop as a human being uh, over the course of the time since I've been like watching you on social media. So thank
2: you. That is so Aww. sweet. I mean, it's just, I get really, it's really nice. I'm going to give you guys a really big hug and I'm very excited Aww. to meet you both. Thank you. And you may get, you, you may get some weird clown shit too. Just warning. Good. Okay. Yeah, some, Perfect. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> so we're going to end it
0: here. Listeners. Bye. I'm sure we're going to
2: keep Bye. talking, but
0: the listeners don't get any more. So yes. Yes, yes, ya, yes. Listeners. Thanks guys.